coming up on the Canna Cribs podcast. So I ended up managing uh, multiple indoor facility and, facilities, and, and the largest one was about you know, 200,000 square feet. Definitely for flowering plants, it needs to be done at the beginning of the cycle. Um, depending on the veg, the veg period, uh, you might have to do some some pruning at that point, or if not, then you know within the the first three weeks of, of flower. You know, and so if you have a, a vertical rack, then you'll be able to keep tons of these plants and and uh, with minimal effort or minimal work. You know, cannabis is is, a, is a, such a special plant that you can you know make mistakes and start things over and you know each cycle is so short then you can continue learning and things like that hey i'm nick creator of canna cribs and growers network where we have educated millions of people on how to elevate their craft i have toured some of the largest grow operations befriended the best growers and built a network of the top cannabis companies join me on this next adventure where i document history with the pioneers shaping the global cannabis industry in real time Welcome to the Canacribs Podcast. The Canacribs Podcast is brought to you by the top brands in the game. We have six categories we want to highlight to help you elevate your craft. Starting off with Cultivation by Grodan, Lighting by Horticulture Lighting Group, Nutrients by Athena, Climate Control by Quest, Post Harvest by Green Bros, and Dispensary by Trees. Thank you to these partners for helping us create this podcast and helping us bring more knowledge to the world. If you want to support the Canacribs podcast, head on over to the link in the description or go to growershouse.com and check out these industry leaders today. So I'm a consultant, uh, you know, mainly focusing on cannabis cultivation. You know, I have a university degree in plant science and, and horticulture from the University of Guelph. And basically, I consider myself a grower first and foremost. You know, like I, I, I've been in the cannabis industry uh, since about 2014. And I, I operated, you know, large scale, you know, indoor facilities for about five years. And, and I've been consulting uh, for, for the last, I would say, two and a half. <clears throat> yeah, I'm based out of, out of Canada and in the province of British Columbia. And, and yeah. Right on. And is that the same university that Darren went to? Yeah, that's right. He did his uh, PhD there. We, we didn't really cross paths, um, but, uh, but yeah, that's the same one. Nice. Okay, so such a small world. You went to the same university, and then several years later, you're uh, working together. That's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, maybe that's why we're, we you know we connected so well. I, I don't know. He, Darren's a great guy. So Yeah. So did it all start uh, in cannabis, or did, were you researching um, other other plants at the time when you started? No, no. So, so I like I said, I, I focus my my university studies in, in horticulture, you know, mainly greenhouse production and and things like that. So, so when I graduated, I started working in in greenhouses, uh, you know, in the Niagara region here in Canada, <clears throat> and I, I was managing about ten acres of, of cut flower production. You know, working with Dutch growers that taught me, you know, a lot about growing plants, you know, professionally and and how to run a large scale cultivation operation. <clears throat> you know, and, and my time there was was pretty valuable uh, for learning all the intricacies of, of greenhouse production, greenhouse okay. cultivation, and and how to apply, you know, the science and and the theory, you know, from my university studies to to growing plants at scale. So, so yeah, so that's how that's how I started in. in Plant production, let's say. Yeah, definitely. So that path took you over to Med Relief. What were some of the responsibilities uh, you were in charge of over there? Yeah, so so at Med Relief, I was I was basically you know when I started, I 
I, I, I was pretty much the only one in the in the company that had any large scale cultivation experience. Um, you know, I, I I was surrounded by by people that that had been growing for for many many years, growing cannabis for many years, but on a much smaller scale, right? So. So I end up learning so much from from these growers, and I, you know, immediately fell in love with the plant. So, you know, I have so much respect for it now, and you know, it, it amazes me how much we, you know, there's there's to learn about this crop, right? So, yeah. Uh, as time went on, you know, I, I was managing the the one facility at the beginning. It was about fifty five thousand square feet, uh, just running their their cultivation for them. Um, and eventually, the the company grew so much, um, and I became uh, director of cultivation. Right. Wow. Um, so I ended up managing uh, multiple indoor facility and facilities, and, and the largest one was about you know two hundred fifty thousand square feet, and uh, and I think to this day is one of one of the largest indoor facilities there is, um, but definitely one of the the most impressive ones that I've ever been to for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. So so during during my time there, you know, we were also. You know, expanding uh, to different countries, different markets, and and you were developing greenhouse and indoor cultivation projects, and you know, places like Germany and Colombia, for example. So it was definitely a definitely a fun time. So, yeah. yeah, and along that path, that Med Relief, they were acquired by Aurora. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess uh, just to take a step back, you know, my, my goal at, uh, at Medrelief was always, you know, to try to incorporate, you know, modern, let's say, large scale cultivation practices into cannabis cultivation. So, so you know, while at the same time, let's say, focusing on, on the science, on data collection, on, on all these things that, you know, can, can improve the yield and the quality, right? Um, so, so back in, uh, I think, 2018, you know, we we had accomplished so much in terms of cultivation. Not only let's say uh, uh, the 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 company as a whole, but more so about um, you know in terms of cultivation, right? So you know, and and, and that was one of the one of the reasons why in 2018 uh, Metro was a, was acquired by Aurora Cannabis, right? We had the highest yields at the time, you know, that a driven cultivation program, you know, so many operational efficiencies and. And uh, and yeah, so that's that's one of the main reasons we were acquired. Um, uh, once we got acquired, um, you know, we were tasked with uh, bringing a lot of these methodologies to other Aurora facilities. And I, I believe at the time there were about uh, seven indoor indoor and greenhouse cultivation facilities in Canada, and you know, some in Denmark and you know Germany and you know in South America there was a couple. So so there was a lot of a lot of things to do, right? So so Philip. Uh, whom you met already, my business partner, mm-hmm. you know, and I became kind of internal consultants for for the company, and and we did a quite a bit of traveling all over the world, you know, in that 20, 2018 2019 period. Um, but yeah, after that, we just decided to leave Aurora and we formed our consulting company. Yeah, and at what point, Juan, uh, did you realize okay, it's it's time to head out on our own adventure and start offering consulting services to the world? Yeah, I mean, I think my my um, let's say my path at, at Medrelief had been, you know, very fast. You know, I, I went from not knowing much about cannabis into managing a whole facility, then managing multiple facilities. You know, my team was about 150 people at the time and things like wow. that. And, and you know, um, uh, to working on building new projects. You know. 20 acre greenhouses things like that too Mm -hmm. you know and then once we got acquired it was uh it was more of a you know let's help other other facilities other teams other growers and in the network 
Yeah, exactly. So, so that's, that's where, you know, kind of that itch started, you know, like, this is, this is cool, right? You know, like I can go and I can help people. I can, you know, help them improve and things like that. And, you know, also see what they're doing stuff like that. Cause at that time, you know, the, 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 the cannabis industry in Canada was super, or I think it still is super secretive about, you know, what they're doing and things like that. So, so for me to be able to, to go and, and, and visit all these other growers, other facilities was, was really, really awesome and, and being able to help them too, you know, kind of share the knowledge that we had uh, kind of amassed over the years that, that mm-hmm. also, you know, helped. So, yeah. Well, how cool is that to travel the world to Colombia of all places and Germany and some of these other markets uh, to consult and teach and just honestly, it's, it's really empowering to see how this plant uh, reaches, you know, every corner of the earth, um, every culture, you know, they might be growing it the same, might be growing it differently. Uh, but it's just, it's so cool to see that. For sure. Definitely. Absolutely. No, it's, it's super exciting, you know, and it, uh, at that time, Canada was a, the big market. And then, yeah, a lot of projects, like you mentioned, in South America and Europe, and now there's so much to do in the U.S. as well. Every state kind of is, is different, different regulation, mm-hmm. things like that. So, it's it's still super exciting i think yeah yeah we have not peaked yet as a as an industry um there's so much room to go um so let's talk about uh your individual responsibilities in the group i know that um out of the three um you're writing you're writing this book right uh you have a chapter on canopy management so i definitely want to dig into some of those details today um, and, and not to be, you know, overlapping with Philip, because we went over a lot of great topics with him, um, such as uh, light interception, leaf area index, and a bunch of other stuff. So if someone's watching this interview, you can watch them out of order. It's totally fine. Uh, but let's let's start with cloning and genetics. Um, so how does canopy management improve the overall clone quality? Yeah, for sure. I guess to, to start, we, we kind of have to define, you know, what that ideal clone quality is, you know, like, I think, you know, there's many, many ways to, to clone cannabis. And it's, it's uh, as a species that is so easy to, to propagate vegetatively, that, um, you know, I think, um, yeah, finding that way that it's um, most, let's say, um, you know, repeatable and, and will give you the best results. That's, that's where it all starts. So, you know, for us, you know, a, a quality clone or uh, the, the quality that we achieve, try to achieve uh, uh, with a clone is, you know, try to take clones that are about four inches in length, you know, like between four and six inches, you know, anything mm-hmm. longer than that, you know, becomes a bit too tall. And then if you have a tall clone, that means that you have a, a tall veg plant and then that tall veg plant will end up being a tall flowering plant, right? So, you know, we, we try to just kind of start short and then kind of let the, the cultivar do its thing during veg and the flowering phases <clears throat> uh, so that it can get to, to where it needs to be. Um, you know, and, and in terms of the stems, for example, uh, it needs to be, you know, not too thick, but not too thin, you know, like, Either in either case, it'll take quite a bit more to, to root, and as opposed to if it was of, of the right, let's say, diameter. Um, thin clones can also be pretty close, uh, pretty prone to, to breakage as well. So you know, if we're sticking them in the in the media, then you know it's it's easy to, to start breaking them. Um, yeah. So and also having the the right amount of leaves is also super important. I think you know um, if you know a, the leaf is like kind of like the the, the main 
uh, engine that keep, keeps the, the clone alive during that rooting phase, right? It, mm-hmm. it produces uh, those hormones that ha- help the rooting develop, uh, development start as well. You know, it, it harbors a lot of the, the, the energy and the nutrients uh, re- reserves that it needs. So, so if you have too little leaves, then it's a problem. Or if you have too many leaves, then, you know, that's, that's when, you know, also problems can happen too, right? So, so I think, you know, uh, having, having that in mind, you know, having that clone quality in mind from the very beginning, you know, um, uh, you know, is a, is a, at least a starting point as to how you manage the canopy, right? Uh, um, the growers do things differently. Obviously, uh, we've seen, you know, small mothers, tall mothers, you know, very bushy, you know, or let's say very lanky, which, you know, it's, it's all fine. But at the same time, what we try to, you know, focus on, on is making sure that whatever those clones are that you're taking from that mother, you know, it's always, it's always going to be uh, as, as, as good as it can be. So, so you know, the, the, the canopy of the mother itself, it has to be kept in a way in which, you know, the light can penetrate, you know, as many shoots as possible can mature to the size that, that we need. So like I was saying before that, you know, mm-hmm. four inches, good, uh, good uh, you know, stem diameter and, and enough leaves, right? And, you know, because if, for example, if a shoot is, is shaded, you know, the, the stem, is likely to be too thin and maybe the leaves won't have enough reserves and, and that, that clone, you know, is going to have a bit of a, of a rougher time getting through the rooting process. And, you know, if it does end up rooting, then it's going to be a delayed and then you have, you can have a tray with maybe some clones that are fully rooted, whereas some other ones may not be. So, so th- there's definitely, um, you know, some considerations there, but definitely keeping that, you know, quality, uh, in mind, um, in everything that you do when, when keeping mothers, that's, that's super yeah. important. Yeah, and let's talk about uh, some of your SOPs that you can recommend to other growers uh, throughout the cloning and propagation process. Yeah, so so in terms of, of SOPs, I mean, obviously we start with how we keep the mother, right? Um, what what's the the mother maintenance uh, process? Uh, how do you how do you start a mother is important. Um, then after that, then you know the, the cloning process. Uh, when where to start? You know where to end? Um, you know how we we let's say lay out the cloning process as as it's happening. You know we like mm-hmm. to have you know a specific workflow that uh, that people can can get through, right? Like with very specific uh, tasks. You know we like to have one person or a couple of people dedicated to you know cutting the plants, for example, or you know processing those cuttings that come off those mother plants. And then after that, then making that final cut, for example, uh, making sure that the, the length is is that that four inches that we're looking for. And at the end, you know we have you know people that are you know sticking the the, the clones in, in the in the substrate you know we like rock wool but there's so many other ones right um, and and we laid all that out in our in our SOPs as to how you know how it should be done and and you know I think cloning is one of those tasks that that are done with you know in cannabis cultivation that are very uh, you know that need to be very structured, right? Like you mm-hmm. need to have uh, a lot of people doing it, and and it's to me is more like a almost like a manufacturing uh, process, right? That, yeah, you know, it's an assembly know, line. It's exactly that's that's exactly what it is, right? You want to have consistency from tray to tray, you know, from clone to clone, right? Um, so if you have those people that are kind of focused and dedicated to 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 um, having that perfect quality, perfect consistency, that's going to translate into mm-hmm. you know having. Um, Let's say uh, a nice canopy, a nice even canopy. Once you once you transplant into veg, once those veg plants go into flower, you know what I like to see is just 
plants that look almost identical to each other. Yeah, um, that uniformity. Uh, exactly, yeah, the uniformity is super key uh, because you know you don't want to be able, you know you don't want to have to you know irrigate uh, uh, certain plants a different way, you know, or have you know let's say dips in your canopy or um, you know um, different microclimates that can start forming things like that. So so definitely yeah. So your your entire uh, crop could run away from you depending on what you do in cloning and, and propagation. That's what you're saying. Well, yeah, I think some mistakes uh, that you make early on could just be domino yeah, effects. It could definitely, it could definitely kind of get compounded uh, mm -hmm. later on. And, and, you know, it can be depending on how many clones you take, you know, or what your planting density is, you can have, you know, uh, some, a little bit of forgiveness there, but um, at the same time, you know, if you want to make things as, as, as uniform as, and as structured as possible, then, you know, starting with that cloning process and, and having those SOPs, uh, you know, down, uh, that's, that's super key. Totally. And I've seen a lot of growers over the past five years. Everyone does it a little bit differently. Uh, let's talk about building out your clone dome or, or trays. Are you going to put a clone in every single cell? Are you going to leave some space between? Uh, what does that look like in if we walked into to your garden? Yeah, so so we like to just fill the whole tray, um, fill the whole tray with with clones. Um, yeah, and but at the same time taking enough leaf off that it's not gonna get they're not gonna get too crowded, right? They're gonna have mm -hmm. enough space to be able to 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 let's say expand their leaves once they can actually do that because you you see that right you, if you take a clone you take a couple of leaves off uh, you stick it you know a couple of days later you know those leaves have already would have already been expanded and then they're gonna start crowding each other right so so if um, you know if we let them crowd too much then that's when you're gonna you're gonna start having some some stretch for example right and mm -hmm. and that can lead to to you know not down the uniform road. yeah exactly so 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 definitely you know it's 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 important to leave not too much not too many not too many leaves on the on the clones and and um and start that way but yeah we fill the 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 clone tray um you know we use rooting hormone and then we, we mm -hmm. keep the the trays uh under domes for a couple of days you know we don't want to baby them too much but at least the the first day or two they're gonna definitely need that you know close to 90 percent humidity um but after after a day or two you know it'll, it'll be fine they'll be able yeah. to, to stay turgid and then we can we can uh you know kind of push uh, at least the, the rooting process a little bit we'd like to dry out the clone tray as as much as possible um and then you know that kind of also helps promote uh that the callus to form and the roots to start populating um so yeah so within you know 14 days we we have a fully rooted uh tray and you know we're seeing clone uh, ready to go pop out you know after six days seven days we already see the first couple of roots coming out from the bottom so so yeah so it's it's there's definitely a lot to the to the let's say the the rooting process but you know once you once you figure out what your the cultivars need you know have a very structured sop and 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 your team can do it you know day in and day out and you mm -hmm. know, it's not a problem you know at, at Medrelief at that facility that we were talking about 250,000 square feet you know there was times where we had to clone 60,000 clones in a day for example and wow. you know you need you need you know a, a good mother stock and then you need your 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 train your your people train and, and all these things and 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 a process that you know makes sense then and, and that that works time and, and time after time 
Definitely. And I know we're going to get into mother stock. Um, I did have a quick question. You know, in, in reading that chapter, I came across a new term for myself, uh, germplasm archive. Is that pretty much tissue culture? Is that the same thing? So, so it can be tissue culture, yes. A, a germplasm archive is basically just, a, 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 you know, how we store genetics, right? Um, okay. It can be done, you know, it can be done in plants, animals, whatever. But if we're talking about plants, you know, um, you, you can keep them uh, as seeds, for example, or or uh, tissue culture or as a live germplasm as, you know, uh, mother plants or stock plants, right? So, so that's that's basically it. And and um, you know, there, there's different ways to 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 optimize this, right? Um, we we definitely prefer uh, tissue culture to be the main oh, really? way that we uh, that we keep a germplasm. But you know, we understand too that's not necessarily um, very feasible for a lot of growers, right? Cannabis is such a special plant that, you know, every phenotype is so different. And, you know, one person might have a really nice uh, a pheno that they spend so much time looking for, for example. So so I think, um, you know, being able to keep those genetics in a mother form, in a, you know, in a form that is easy to maintain time after time. And, you know, and that you'll be able to, you know, take clones off, um, regenerate, for example, and, and just keep a, a few copies in case something happens. Then, yeah, that's 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 pretty important. Yeah, and and your goal, of course, eliminating genetic drift as much as possible. So, however much time lapses, you're going to get that same cultivar every time. Yeah, for sure. There's there's techniques now that you know um, that kind of help regenerate uh, some of these these cultivars closer to that that true uh, phenotype. What happens over time is that, especially with mother plants is that if they go through a lot of stress um, over the course of, of their life, let's say, you know, as, as, a, as a mother plant, you know, maybe they're not getting the right amount of nutrients or maybe the substrate is, not, you know, is not, is not correct um, or, or there's, there's some issue with, with uh, light cycles, for example. You know, all those things are going are gonna to create stress for the plant and then that's going to, you know, prevent you from, from having the, the true type phenotype uh, every single time, right? So there's now techniques that you know can help you even through tissue culture be able to regenerate some of those some of those mm-hmm. phenotypes. You know, even though it might take a, a little bit of, of time, there's there's ways to be able to do that. But at least from at our level, you know, working with with uh, different growers all over, um, the best way is to just keep you know, plants uh, in their live germplasm. And, you know, it doesn't have to be something too, you know, big or, or, or fancy, you know. We set up four by two racks, you know, with multiple shelves with uh, a little bit of lighting and some drainage. And, you know, and when we keep mothers there, you know, we try, we try to keep the mothers very small, try to encourage, you know, mother uh, growers to at least keep the, keep the, as many mothers as they need to to keep um, mm-hmm. to have a, a good backup, right? But but it's basically you know having those um, those small mothers, you know, they kind of look like bonsais, right? Like we keep them uh, very low light intensity, um, you know, in a very small you know small container that's gonna or a pot that's gonna kind of limit their root growth, um, and we keep you know pruning them back and and uh, and cutting them back so that you can actually keep that plant, you know about six inches maybe to a foot even right so you know so if you have a, a vertical rack then you'll be able to keep tons of these plants and and uh with minimal effort or minimal work 
Yeah. And there's been a, a lot of farms that we filmed that their their genetic vault is like a safe full of seed packs. And that's that's how they, you know, uh, uh, basically prolong um, the genetics that they want to use forever. Um, would you recommend uh, a lot of growers to switch over to more of the uh, model that you were just explaining? I guess it depends, really. I mean, the issue with with seeds is that, you know, you might not necessarily get a true type, um, you know, phenotype, uh, you know, if it's from a specific cross, for example. Um, you know, as you know, with cannabis, we're not quite there with the breeding programs. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good breeders, but, you know, in terms of uh, homogeneous uh um, let's say populations and being able to get, you know, a, a, a offspring that's very similar to the parents. Um, we're not quite there yet. So, so, and, and it's, it's so easy to breed cannabis at, at the same time, right? Um, that, uh, getting a, that one pheno, you know, it could happen and, you know, you pop a pack of seeds, for example, and, uh, and some of those seeds, uh, you know, you might select that one winner and, mm-hmm. um, and that one is going to be a mother, a plant, right? So, you know, you can't really go back to to seeds after to, be, to having seeds at, at that point. So, so it's better to to at least keep that, you know, a phenotype. Like I said, either as a small mother, um, like that bonsai type of mother that I was talking about, mm-hmm. or or if, if if you have the ability um, or the resources or or a company that can do that for for you, then you know, having tissue culture. Uh, as a backup, it's also it's also uh, an option as well. Absolutely. Um, are there any challenges um, or considerations for archiving multiple phenotypes at any given time? Yeah. So if we if we go back to to let's say that that small mother bonsai type of of, uh, of germplasm, then you know we like to give them as much space as possible. Um, you know, I think there's there's a lot of issues that can arise if you have pests or diseases or things like that. So we like to give them space. We like to keep them compact, like I said, a good environment, you know. Um, like I said, low light levels, we need to keep them, you know, growing, but not growing too much, just kind of basically mm-hmm. just keep them alive. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot, you know, there's a, there needs to be a big focus on, on the pest management aspect, right? How, you know, they need to be scouted thoroughly. They need to be, you know, you, you need to have your biological controls working there um, and applying anything that you need to apply to be able to control things. Um, one of the, the scary things that we're seeing, you know, more and more, more especially in Canada now, is, uh, is hoplitin viroid. Um, yeah, it's been rampant all over, and you know, viruses and viruses, viruses like hoplind, you know, are mainly spread from you know plants touching each other, for example. So, like I was saying, you know, having plants that are you know well spaced out, um, all goes know, back to canopy management. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. And you know, with with mother plants, you sometimes you do those cutbacks. You know, you have to keep that canopy you know compact and and small, and you know that also means a lot of open wounds, right? Right? So, so yeah. that's that's mainly how the virus can can transfer from plant to plant, right? So if the plants are touching each other, there's open wounds, there's sap uh, contact, there's sap exchange, let's say, then that that could lead to to um, you know one plant infecting the the rest of them, right? So you definitely don't want that in a in a germplasm, you know, in a mother room, uh, let alone let alone a germplasm as well. So, right. Um, so yeah, we also encourage growers to 
you know, at least for mothers have, uh, you know, you have one dedicated scissor, uh, pair of scissors uh, per plant uh, so that they're, you know, you're not going from one plant cutting here and then moving to another one because uh, that's that's oh, almost guaranteed if you have one. So simple one, uh, and yet so impactful. Exactly. It's almost guaranteed to to uh, to spread the virus. And, you know, we've seen we've seen, uh, you know, plants with hoblind that, you know, we grow from seeds and, you know, that were kept in in very good conditions and stuff like that but you know just one 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 time that they're touching or one time where maybe the scissors weren't clean properly or whatever that can that you know that can lead to to an infection wow. right so so it's definitely it's scary we we've seen um you know some some uh some growers, you know, deal with with hoplint and you know lose some of their most precious uh, cultivars mm. and having to go through you know the, this regeneration like I was talking about and and just you know it's it's very stressful for for an operation right so so definitely you know keeping in mind all these things um, first of all having a germplasm but also you know making sure that the plants within that germplasm are. The hygienic processes in, in place. Yeah. I mean, IPM from, from day one, stage one. Exactly. Um, I would imagine, Juan, that the lifespan of those little bonsai moms, it's not forever. Uh, do you have a protocol for when you're you're moving on to the next one? Yeah, like we'd like to keep them about six to eight months, let's say, okay. in, the, in the same container. Um, and then after that, what, what we do is usually we take uh, clones from them and create new ones. Once the new ones have been established, then we slowly phase out the, the old ones. And it's, it's a very similar, uh, let's say, phase-out approach that we use uh, with, um, you know, we're just on production mother plants, let's say. Right. Um, so, yeah, so that's basically our time, our time frame. We've definitely kept mothers longer than that. Uh, but it kind of like starts becoming more and more unstable. That substrate becomes, you know, uh, you know, very root bound, um, and and the plants can, like I was saying before, can start getting that th- those stressors that that can lead to to reduction of vigor or you know maybe your THC could be reduced and, and things that you might not be able to see uh, with the naked eye could start happening. And you know it's always nice to it's always better let's say to have you know plants that are as healthy as possible and going through that kind of you know uh, let's say transition and 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 replenishment yeah so at a broader level you know i i uh mentioned earlier i got a chance to chat with philip about canopy management and we went into light interception and leaf area index and this taught me a bunch of new stuff which is awesome and our audience as well um so i just want to start at a very broad high level um, in your opinion, Juan, uh, what is the most important aspect when it comes to canopy maintenance? Yeah, I think, I mean, the most important thing is, is you know, maximizing light interception and, and doing everything that you can to maximize that light interception. You know, at the end of the day, you know, the leaves are basically just tiny solar panels and that generate regenerate energy from light so and then the energy is used to you know make more leaves or roots mm-hmm. or branches flowers or you know secondary metabolites like thc um but it all starts with that you know plant capturing light and, and how effective it is at, at doing that right so <clears throat> so because the canopy is just a collection of these leaves and branches so ensuring that it is you know maintained properly um you know to be able to make, maximize that light interception it's is what ultimately will get you closer to to maximizing your yield for sure. Absolutely. Uh, I think, uh, you know, in, in plant cultivation, I think 
for many crops, not just cannabis, uh, the limiting factor will almost always end up being light. Um, you know, if we talk about cannabis cultivation indoors um, or in greenhouses, for example, you can supply the right nutrients, you can have enough CO2, you can, you know, supply enough water, you know, maintain a good environment. But if you don't have enough light or if your canopy is not capturing the light as it should, you know, you you won't be able to to reach that full potential, right? Um, mm-hmm. They can also be diminishing returns when it comes to providing light, you know, like, but fortunately, cannabis is a species that can take a lot of light and, 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 and you know, getting the, the crop to utilize that, that, that light energy efficiently is, I think, the next big challenge. And, you know, with that comes, you know, working on things like, uh, you know, your VPD or stressors or crop steering, for example, uh, there's a lot of things that, that can be done, done that way, but at least in, in general terms and, 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 you know, let's say that applies for, for almost all cases is, you know, making sure that, that light is not limiting. Yeah. So for some of our audience members, Juan, that are learning uh, about new terms like VPD, for example, va- vapor pressure deficit or vapor pressure differential, could you teach them a little bit more about that? Yeah, so so basically, vapor pressure uh, def, uh, deficit, deficit or differences is let's say that the the internal vapor pressure that you'll find within a leaf and the vapor pressure that you'll find you know in the outside environment or in that area surrounding that leaf, right? Um, and based on that VPD, then you'll have different effects as to how the plants uh, you know close or open their, their stomates. Right? So, you know, with stomates, then you have gas exchange, right? So gas is going into the into the leaves, uh, mainly CO2. And the CO2 is then converted into sugars when, you know, the, the, the light uh, hits the, the, the leaves, for example. So it's, it's obviously way more complicated than this, but just on general terms. Yeah, this is know, great. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's the way for the plant to actually produce these sugars, produce this, this energy, it all has to do with uh, light and uh, the vapor pressure differential. So making sure that the, 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 the vapor pressure differential is, is optimized based on what the plant needs, right? Um, you know, it's, it's, it goes a long way for optimizing that photosynthetic ability of the plant, mm-hmm. being able to pr- produce those, those sugars, that energy. You have seen Grodan Rockwell cubes all over Canicribs and Deep Roots over the past five years. Well, check out Grodan's new improved grow blocks. With an advanced wetting technology developed in collaboration with the Wageningen University in the Netherlands and trialed by some of the top growers across North America, including some of your favorite Canicribs episodes to date. The improved Stonewall substrate has more even WC and EC distribution throughout the height of the block and even greater steering control, which results in a faster rooting in, higher yields, improved quality, increased resistance to diseases, and they use less water and newts throughout the entire cycle. Real science, real results. Check out GrowDan101.com. I'll link the full URL in the description of this episode to learn more. Also, head on over to your favorite social network and check out GrowDan101. Leave a comment and let them know Canacrib sent you. Let's let's dive in here. Um, let's talk about some tips that you have for establishing a healthier mother stock. Yeah, so so with, with mothers, you know, we have a very specific goal, you know. The goal is to produce as many high-quality clones or cuttings as possible, you know, at the right intervals, 
you know, in, in, in order to achieve the, that, the model plans need to be, have, be able to have a pretty high growth rate and, you know, multiple shoot sites at, at each of these shoots to, to, you know, to end up being the, being a clone. You know, the mother plants are grown, you know, as a bush mainly, uh, from which, you know, multiple cuts can be taken and the canopy needs to be dense enough uh, to capture that light. Um, but at the same time, they need to be able to regenerate so that, you know, the next time that you have to come back and take more cuts, then then they're ready to go. And, and, and that quality, like I was talking about, that, that quality is there, right? So, mm-hmm. so yeah, and, and that's how you keep the, the cycle going. Okay. And now that we have a, a healthy mother stock, just kind of getting into managing the canopy, um, do you do anything differently um, for the canopy of your mother stock in comparison to the plants that are in uh, full-fledged production? Yeah, it's, it's, it's very, I think, very different. I mean, um, you know, full production, even though the, the goal is the same, try to capture as much light as possible. Um, like I was saying with mothers is like you're, you're constantly regenerating those mothers and taking cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas opposed to a, a production or a flowering plant, you know, you set up your canopy uh, and it might take a couple of weeks into flower. And then after that is just, you know, kind of allowing those flowers to develop and the light to, to, to penetrate into the canopy and be able to, to fill those, those buds, um, you know, at the end of the cycle. So it's, it's a little bit different, but, um, but yeah. In, in okay. terms of yeah, in terms of, of mother plants, you know, what we like to do and is very important to us is is creating a structure from the beginning. You know, um, encouraging the plant to to like I said, grow as that bush. You know, with with lateral <clears throat> growth and multiple shoot sites. Um, so what we like to do is you know do try to pinch uh, as frequently as we can, or pinch or top um, uh, as frequently as we can, and, and and then try to create that you know scaffold early on in the plant uh, in the plant's life, you know, which 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 ends up being you know that basic structure um, for the plant, you know, and, and mm-hmm. then that's done by by topping, you know, as as you have let's say if you start with a clone or or a seedling, right, you top it and then you know you you start seeing the shoots start to emerge. Um, so the, the one becomes two, two become four, four become eight, the eight becomes 16. Um, and that, that way you have a very good structure, right? In which that's going to support the growth that you'll need to be able to, to keep taking clones from, from those mothers, right? Um, that, you know, that, that rounded shape that you'll end up having, you know, that increases the surface area, which, which, like I said, goes back to being able to capture that light and for that light to penetrate deep into the canopy so that you have the different shoots that come up, then, then they, they get, you know, enough light to, to be able to, you know, eventually become those clones that you end up taking, that quality that you need, that you want, that the, the thicker stems, but not too thick, uh, mm-hmm. the, the long kind of uh, shoots that, that will become that four to five inch clone. Yeah. And earlier you are mentioning um, for the germplasm, the, the bonsai size. And I've been to facilities, I think Mitten Gardens is one example um, out in Michigan, they had a mom that was like eight feet tall. It's a monster. It was a Christmas tree. Hmm. Um, so what, what's the optimal size? You know, is there an ideal, uh, you know, weight or bushiness or height? You know, what, what do you really strive for? Yeah. I mean, you know, a, a tall mom can work for sure. Um, but what we like to, to, uh, to see is, is a mother plant that's, you know, closer to a foot and a half to, 
two and a half feet tall. Um, you know, the mother plant needs to be, you know, efficient and effective and, and more, most important, you know, easy to work with, right? I mean, you don't want to have to, if you have to move the, the mothers, for example, uh, let's say if they're on the tables and you need to move them to a work area, for example, you don't want to have to move these huge mothers. Mm. Um, you know, so, so brother, let's say on the small, a smaller size, okay. um, you know, and, and that way the canopy stays a little bit more compact as well. Um, so that, like I said, you know, there's, there's, uh, you maintain that quality of the clones, you know, the, the light is not, doesn't have to go through so many layers of, of leaves to be able to penetrate. And you have, you have that clone quality and uniformity throughout. Right. Um, yeah. So a, a large plant or a tall plant is usually going to require, you know, more irrigation, you know, they're more prone to, to stem breakage. Once they start getting top heavy, you know, some of those mm-hmm. branches start kind of like, uh, falling sideways and, and breaking and stuff. And, you know, what, what happens too, is that, you know, if, if you have such a large mother that's producing, you know, let's say, I don't know, 50 to 150 clones, you know, I, I, I met relief, uh, you know, at the beginning we had mothers that were producing 250 clones each, you know, something crazy. Wow. Um, and, you know, but once you, if you lose that mother, you know, that's a lot of your clone production, right? So, mm-hmm. so we like to, it's almost Put like all hedging. Your eggs in one basket. Exactly. So you have to hedge your, your, your bets and then and kind of you know, have many smaller ones that, you know, mm-hmm. can, if you have to get rid of one, that's, that's no problem. If you have to repopulate, you know, like you just make a, 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 a lot of uh, small ones and then you keep, keep them kind of compact and, and, um, and yeah producing that those those clones that you need right yeah. so so the way that that we you know we we uh keep those mothers a bit more compact is is we keep them in a in a pot or a container that's you know it's going to limit their growth right um mm-hmm. about six to eight inch uh, pots is usually what we'd like to see um and that keeps that mother to about a foot and a half to two two and a half feet tall like i was talking about uh, and obviously, there needs to there needs to be uh, that scaffolding, like I was talking about, and then you know, uh, continuous work in terms of pruning, removing leaves, re- removing branches, um, keeping that canopy uh, the right size and shape. That's that's important too. Yeah, and just talking about uh, plant size in general. Um, you know, there's a lot of external factors that might regulate uh, the size of a plant. So, for example, limited plant count, right? If you can only have 80 plants or 100 plants, you're going to grow monsters, right? Um, or if you're growing outdoors, right, you're going to have a completely different, you know, grow methodology. But um, could you run through the optimal plant size, um, let's say, in a if you did have a, or if you do have a limited uh, plant count versus you can grow as many as you want, um, what's that optimal size you're going for for an indoor or greenhouse production versus an outdoor? Because um, yeah. I, I haven't really heard an answer out there on the interwebs, and everyone has uh, a different answer. Right? So, what's the consensus, you know, coming from the the expert here? No, I, I mean, there's like I said, there's there's many different ways uh, uh, to do it, and and. Definitely the cultivation system, the cultivar, you know, um, plays a big factor in, into into that, into that, that size. Um, but if there is no uh, plant limit, uh, plant count limit, um, you know, we like to mainly grow on tables. So they're, they're raised above the ground. Um, and plants that are, let's say, between two and a half and five feet tall. Five feet being, you know, that that's uh, that's getting a bit too tall by then. Um 
And what that does is that, you know, if you're, if you're working on a table, then, you know, people are, it's easier to have to do some of that crop work that can be, can be management that we, that we advocate mm-hmm. so much, right? Like the pruning, the, the, the leafing as well, um, also for harvest makes it easier as well. Um, you know, and, and also the canopy is not as deep, right? So the light doesn't have to go through so many layers of leaves to be able to penetrate down. Um, or you don't have to start doing a lot of, you know, um, uh, people like to remove some of the lower buds, for example, to 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 get you know the the top of the canopy you know maturing better. Uh, but if you have the right size of canopy, that might not necessarily have to be done, right? So so you know if you if you if you have that you know no limit, then that's that's basically what we what we advocate. If you do have a limit, then then that's where you know long veg times I uh, need to need to be taken into consideration. You know, three, four, maybe five weeks, depending on the cultivar. Um, and yeah, that could produce plants that are huge, um, um, but at the same time, you know, that will give you that the production that you need, right? Like the main goal is to increase yield and to increase yield, you have to maximize, you know, your, your, let's say uh, grams per square foot. Um, you know, how many, what's my canopy and, and, and how many grams can I get from it? Um, so yeah, so having that, those, those big plants, being able to fill that canopy, being, being able to fill that space, um, and, you know, doing the the correct pruning and the the correct deleafing to get to that point. It's mm-hmm. definitely a little bit more challenging. It's it's a, it's a good thing that at least here in Canada we didn't have those uh, those regulations uh, in terms of plant count. But definitely, uh, uh, I definitely feel for for people that do for growers that do. But you know, it's 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 not it's not an impossible system. It's you know, there's many many ways that you can optimize that as well. Right. Could you put a number to the uh, optimal uh, density when it comes to mother stock or, or just overall canopy density? Yeah. So, so for mother stock, if we go back to that, that size that I was talking about, you know, about a foot and a half to two and a half feet um, with, you know, six to eight, eight inch pots, um, we like to see about one uh, plant per square foot. Um, you know, that kind of gives them enough, enough space to, to be able to grow. Um, you know, they're not too close to each other that they're, you know, the, the canopy starts getting too, too dense. Um, you know, if, cause if there's, if they're too dense, then that's when you have issues with clone quality, for example, because the, the light is not able to penetrate or, you know, not the viruses workflow. you were talking about exactly. passing. That's, that's right. So, you know, and also like also airflow through the canopy as well which is super important you know you want to mitigate those those pathogens or you know the bacterial or or fungal diseases that can that can that can form in those conditions right um so yeah that's that's for mother plants i would say you know about a foot per per uh, sorry one plant per square foot mm-hmm. um and then for for production plants for for flowering plants, it definitely changes. Like I said, if if there's no uh, plant count limit, that's when you can start playing around with things. Um, uh, but we definitely like a system in which we we um, we don't you know veg for so long. So our veg veg time veg phase is about one to two weeks, um, and then you know they, they go into flowering. Um, and then the, the plant, you know, the canopy establishes itself and depending on how the, the, the specific cultivar grows, you know, if it's a cultivar that likes to, let's say, grow more branchy, more laterally, um, we'll give it a little more, a little bit more space, right? So usually a lower planting density. Uh, whereas if it's a cultivar that's, you know, very focused on that one main 
main cola, main main bud, um, then those we like to you know grow at a at a higher density, but you know, uh, do a little bit more pruning, remove some of those branches that we know are not going to be, you know, as productive, let's say. Um, so there's definitely ways to play around with that. And, you know, each cultivar is going to grow differently. So what we'd like to do is just start trying things out. When we, when we do our, our, our pheno hunting, for example, we grow different densities, um, you know, we kind of let them go. Don't do too much pruning, um, and see see what happens. And then based on you know based on the quality of the top top bud versus the the bottom, um, then you know we'll decide. Okay, maybe if we would have removed a little bit more branches here, or maybe put you know uh, yeah, some some more or a higher density, for example, then we could have gotten you know more of that top bud that we're looking for. So mm-hmm. yeah, so there's definitely uh, definitely differences, but that's what's fun about cannabis you know like there's so much variability out there choose your own adventure yeah (laughs) Yeah, for sure yeah everyone has their own way and when it comes to pruning um let's start with the benefits you know to to a proper canopy management and and maintenance protocol uh how does pruning fit in yeah so so i mean pruning is the main technique that we use for shaping the canopy hands down i mean if if uh, done properly and at the right time it could lead to some pretty powerful results on 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 flowering plants in terms of you know capturing light how they penetrate the blood size uniformity you know we can help decrease the variability and 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 thc or cannabinoid content from bud to bud um and as i was saying before if you have a congested canopy you know that can lead to the high humidity microclimates that you know can eventually lead to to disease and and uh and things like that so so definitely uh pruning is um is a must um, for for many cultivation systems. Um, you know, it, it also depends on 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 the labor, right? Like, or what's the goal of, of your cultivation strategy? Like, right. What are you what are you trying to get out um, of the system? And most of the times, we focus on on cultivation systems that focus on high quality bud. Um, so, how do we make how do we get as much high quality bud from you know, from, from the canopy, right? And and uh, and yeah, so creating that, that, that canopy structure and and having it so that it's not too congested or too deep, like we're saying, um, you know, can lead to, to increasing that yield and also the plants not really spending energy into into leaves or, or flowers that are very deep in the canopy that are not gonna be, you know, uh, you know, filling up and they're they're just gonna end up as, you know, uh, trim or or just yeah not used in general yeah exactly yeah so you mentioned timing is extremely important um could you put some numbers to that yeah i mean uh, timing uh, like i said it it depends on 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 the cultivar as well you know like i think um definitely for flowering plants it needs to be done at the beginning of the cycle um depending on the veg the veg period uh you might have to do some some pruning at that point or if not then you know within the the first three weeks of of flower um uh, you know it also depends on on how the cultivar grows how much it, it stretches uh what that final height is um that will determine when um when to prune um but mainly we're seeing that you know 
within those couple of weeks at the beginning of the flowering cycle or closer to the end of the of the veg cycle is when when you need to you need to be pruning. Um, we definitely don't like to go in and remove too many branches um, all in all in one go because you know that, that stresses out the plants and it might you know cause issues uh, in terms of you know too much irrigation or maybe the EC uh, starts getting too too high in the substrate for example. Um, so yeah, so definitely needs to be a little bit more, um, let's say, um, strategic, right? And, and that's also something that needs to be determined, you know, with trial and error, I think. Let me tell you about the new Grodan Improved Grow Blocks, which comes with an advanced wedding technology developed in collaboration with a leading university in the Netherlands and trialed by the top growers across North America, many of those growers having been on cannacribs themselves. The improved stonewall substrate has more even WC and EC distribution throughout the entire height of the block and even greater steering control, resulting in faster rooting in, higher yields, improved quality, increased resistance to diseases, and they use less water and nutrients throughout the entire cycle. Real science, real results. Check out Grodan101.com to learn more. I'll link the full URL in the description of this episode. And if you head on over to your favorite social platform, go to Grodan101, leave them a comment, and let them know Canacrib sent you. Let's talk about deleafing. Uh, we talked about pruning. Um, now, how necessary is deleafing um, in your canopy management protocols? Yeah, so, so deleafing... Also, like pruning, it depends on the cultivation system and the cultivar as well, you know. But at the end of the day, we like to remove, you know, leaves, you know, at the right time and at the in the right amount, um, so that you know, we, again, so can, that light can penetrate deep into the canopy, and those those lower lower buds, the flowers closer to the lower part of the canopy, can can get as much light as possible. Um, the, the the only issue with that is that removing too much leaf. Can lead to you know a, redu a reduction of leaf area index and you know that could reduce your photosynthesis and potentially your yield potential as well right so so i think um you know there's there's a fine balance but you know if if uh if it's done at the right times then then um you know it can it can yield some pretty good results um you know and and at the same time i think with with the leafing and pruning i think you know there needs to be that trial and error that you you can you know grow grow a certain cultivar um you know see where you know if, how the canopy fills in and then based on that then you know decide that that proper timing yeah so let's talk about technique um you're not just going in there and randomly you know choosing you have an intention um so let's talk about your de-leafing techniques and what you can pass along to a, a fellow grower out there learning yeah for sure so so i mean leaves can be removed either you know using uh scissors or by hand um we actually prefer to do it by hand just because it's, it's a it's a lot quicker um and once you get the hang of it you know it's very very hard to actually do damage to the plant um, so by hand, you know, if, if the pediole is long enough, so the stem that is kind of attached to the leaf, if it's long enough, then you can simply bend it down, um, you know, at its base close to the stem. And then, you know, it should be, it should snap pretty, pretty easily. You know, it's, it's, it's also important not to be overly aggressive when, when doing that. Um, since, you know, you can sometimes remove some of that 
epidermal tissue on the stems and and that could create you know an entry point for for pathogens for example and probably the overall stress to the plant right yeah um i mean the plant just soaks up so much uh when you're in the garden and um all the way down this is just a quick aside but i've heard all the way down to the music that you're playing uh, when when you're de-leafing, when you're pruning, um, you know, you want to have good vibes in there for those girls. Definitely good vibes, yeah. <laughs> so when you're de-leafing, do you have a specific uh, time that it should be done or how often it should be done? Yeah, so so it really depends on the cultivar. Um, so, you know, if you're growing very vigorous cultivars, for example, or you're growing at a very high density, um, you know, de-leafing more often tends to be better. Um, but in general terms, we t- typically recommend doing at least two de-leafing events. You know, the first one uh, can be done when the canopy fills in, you know, mm-hmm. between weeks two and four, let's say. Um, you know, and only the large fan leaves on the main stem or the main branches are, are typically removed. Um, and then the second event that we we, we go with is, um, is done about one to two weeks before harvest. Um, and we go in and remove as many leaves that have, have that pedial or that, that little stem. Um, we go in and we remove them and what ends up, uh, when, what remains are just the flowers or the buds, uh, with their, with their leaves, you know, the, the sugar leaves as they call them. Um, and what that does is just opens up the canopy as much as possible. You know, like at that point, um, the, the, the canopy is not going to try to fill itself. Those leaves are gonna not going to try to expand uh, anymore. At that point, it's just, you know, the, the crop is just focused on, on flower production, flower, you know, flower filling, let's say. Um, so, so yeah, so at that point, it's just going to allow for that light to penetrate. Those those buds that were a little bit fluffy, um, you know, two weeks before harvest, now they're going to end up getting some, some mass to them. Um, and that will end up being, you know, part of that quality bud that you can harvest at the end and you know that harvestable yield and your yield should be going up um if you do that um yeah if you don't then like i was saying earlier you know you have you know some really nice nice buds on the top but then you know the ones that were were shaded um will just end up being fluff and, and just you know not not worth anything other than just for extraction or something yeah and diving into some practical uh, kind of canopy management strategies. So a lot of people have heard about topping their plants, uh, but what about bending? Uh, you talk about that a little bit in your chapter. Could you talk about the advantages? Yeah. So, so, so bending, just like the name implies, is basically just uh, just branches that are bent and manipulated and you know secured somehow to to change the structure of, of the plant or. Or the canopy you know it's the effect is very similar to topping it, it kind of breaks that apical dominance and then helps uh, the plant redirect its energy to some of the lower shoots uh, so they can develop a, li- a little bit better um, but this technique is, is mainly used on you know on, on methods of growing like uh, like scrogging for example or mm-hmm. screen of green um, or low stress training um, for example um, in the case of scrogging you know growers use use like a trellis netting um, in which they they bend the, the the branches and they can actually increase the size of the canopy um, by bending those those branches laterally and and outwards away from the center of the plant and that increases the size of the canopy 
you know, as well as, you know, light penetration into that, that, that center, or, you know, the, the, the middle of the, of the plant. Um, but the, these techniques are, you know, are quite labor intensive and, you know, the results are, can vary a lot from cultivar to cultivar. So it's why, you know, you don't generally see this done in, in large scale cultivation. Um, you know, any, 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 uh, labor that is spent needs to be, you know, spent, let's say, um, you know, in, in a smart way. And, and, uh, you know, I would only look into doing something like this. If, for example, I was uh, operating in a, in an area or state where I had, you know, plant count limit, for example, where, you know, I, I, my, my planting density was very low and, and I had to increase that, that, um, let's say that canopy right that canopy to intercept the lights right so so that's where where definitely you know that has its place for sure yeah so you have been all over the world consulting farms so of course canada the united states we talked about colombia germany other parts of south america and uh europe um what does the future of cannabis look like to a time traveler such as yourself yeah i think i mean I think definitely, that's a, that's a good question, but definitely, you know, learning from, from uh, you know, th- these areas or countries that have already gone through the, the, the growing pains of, of cannabis uh, regulation, um, you know, seeing what they've, what they've done well or maybe not so well, um, you know, definitely new operations need to be able to, to learn how to, operate a, a, a cultivation facility that is efficient, that is effective, um, that, you know, strives to have the highest yields, um, you know, in different cultivation systems, right? I think, you know, indoor has its place in the market, in, you know, indoor production, indoor flower, you know, same as greenhouse flower, large scale production, you know, same as outdoor cultivation as well. They all have kind of their, their independent places, I think, within the market. And, you know, what are the ways to optimize that, you know, if it's an outdoor cultivation system, you know, how, how do we maximize the yield, you know, in terms of the location where, where things are grown, you know, the planting uh, times or, you know, uh, how do we, how do we better um, provide nutrients to, to the, some of these plants? Same as a greenhouse production, right? Like what type of greenhouse do I need? Um, so I think, you know, there's so many, there's so many things that can be learned and, 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 you know, a lot of knowledge that can be passed down. And I think, you know, as a consultant, you know, I can, you know, help with that, right? Like I, I can help new growers kind of, you know, bridge that gap and, and, and people don't have to kind of do all the work themselves and, and, you know, go through all those, those growing, growing pains uh, themselves. Right. So, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely uh, uh, an industry that's, it's going to be, you know, can, is it going to continue to grow? Is it going to continue to evolve? And and more and more, we see a lot more. Let's say um, uh, commercial agriculture, you know, influences in, in the way that cannabis cultivation is. And like I was saying before, you know, that was one of my my main uh, you know goals as as a as a grower. How do I bring you know large scale greenhouse production practices into into cannabis cultivation? So yeah, that's great. Well said, Juan and. For anyone out there listening that wants to work with you and the Cannacribs consulting team and Philip and Darren, um, hit that link in the description. Uh, we have an application for you to fill out to hire this brilliant grower right here. 
Um, and cheers to the future, my friend. I hope that we can one day uh, film a Candy Cribs episode at a facility that you have helped built out in Germany and Colombia. Uh, we've definitely focused on the United States, but uh, as the as other countries you know come online, we'd love to get outside the country and and start filming elsewhere. Definitely, that would be awesome. Looking well, forward to that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Juan. Is there anything else that you'd like to share with the community today? You know, I mean, I think, like, like I said, you know, I think cannabis, it's, there's so many different ways to do things. Uh, we've definitely kind of focused on uh, maybe one way of doing things, but it, it really depends on how you're growing cultivation system, you know, what's available to you as a grower, you know, how much, you know, how people or labor you have available, uh, where you're growing, all these things. And, and, you know, every, every grower is different and, you know, we try to, to help them, you know, directly and in, in the way that we can, right? So I think, uh, you know, we've provided some some very detailed, uh, you know, things that you can apply to your grow. But at the end of the day, you know, try things out and and, and yeah. you know, cannabis is is, a, is a, such a special plant that you can, you know, make mistakes and start things over. And you know, each cycle is so short, and you can continue learning and things like that. So so definitely um, definitely try to you know always improve and and. Uh, and take uh, things with a grain of salt too at the same time. Words of wisdom to grow and live by. Um, Mm -hmm. So with that, Juan, thank you so much. Um, I will be seeing you guys soon. And um, as soon as your book is published, I'll be linking in the description of this episode. Right on. Thanks a lot, Nick. It was a great pleasure. Hey, thanks for tuning in today on the Cannacribs podcast. Brought to you by the top brands in the game. We have six categories you want to highlight to help you elevate your craft. Starting off with Cultivation by Grodan, Lighting by Horticulture Lighting Group, Nutrients by Athena, Climate Control by Quest, Post Harvest by Green Bros, and Dispensary by Trees. Thank you to these partners for helping us create this podcast and helping us bring more knowledge to your garden. If you want to support the Cannacribs podcast, Head on over to the link in the description or go to growershouse.com and check out these industry leaders today. And while you're there, hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up on the Growers Network Forum. We have thousands of growers all around the world on both our Instagram and our forum, just like you, looking to elevate their craft. Happy growing.